So, so if we have a destination in worship that we are pressing toward, every time we come together, there's a destination in worship. And I'm going to use Chris as an example because she's maturing the Lord and she won't be offended that I use what oh, I gave a prophetic word and then Chris gave a song and, and she began to talk to you about uh, the, the atmosphere in her soul. I want to distinguish for you the difference between the soul and the spirit. There was a great example. Thank you for that example. We're going to use you as an example this morning. Chris said, I didn't feel like coming. Okay, now whenever we were worshiping and I was prophesying, there was this this anointing in this place. When Chris said, I didn't feel like coming, did you feel the shift? Did you think, okay, where is this coming from? No, no, seriously, there was a shift. You felt it. Did you feel it? Okay, there was a shift in the anointing. Chris began to say, I didn't feel like coming. We didn't all feel like coming, but we came anyway. God is not surprised by your feelings. First of all, he knows them. And he's a big boy, as Bishop Halverson would say. He can take your feelings. God was not at all offended that she said, I didn't feel like coming. If she had stayed home, he might have had a problem with that. If she said, I'm not coming because I don't feel like coming, then the Lord's going to have a discussion with you. But she came. But she said, I didn't feel like coming. And she began to to, uh, express what is in her soul. This is the importance of the early part of worship. And I'm going to challenge you all because we have a really bad habit of coming in 10 minutes after worship has started. We have a whole uh, segment of the population. If that was you today, um, my back was turned to you. I don't know who you are. But I do look back, and then there are people in the seats that weren't there earlier. Uh, And I I don't know what all that is. I don't don't watch for names. I don't remember stuff like this. But But I am telling you this. It is in that early part of worship, those first couple of songs, that allows us to wash our soul, to deal with our frustrations and our feelings. And so whenever you come into worship and you come in delayed, and we're already past that point, you come in carrying things that that there's no opportunity to lay down in God. Are you following me? So the Bible says that the word is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides between soul and spirit. So there are days whenever you just don't feel like Jesus. That's your soul. That's your mind, your will, and your emotions. There's days when I don't feel like coming here. And I'm the pastor. And my wife reminds me, but you're the pastor. Most time I don't tell her. Because she would just laugh at me anyway and say, hey, get up there and, and lean on the Holy Spirit. And the, the, the flock, the people of God need the Holy Spirit to invest the manna for the day in them. So you come faithfully, right? Okay, so, but, but we don't walk with God based upon what we feel. So, the, so you could be one of those individuals that's just received a bad report from the doctor and you can go have a good cry and you can say, oh God, what are you doing in me right now? What is this? And he's not moved by any of that because that is your soul. He gave you those emotions. So we as believers understand that in coming to maturity, we have to come to the place that we're walking in the Spirit. But to get there, you have to get through what you feel. And you don't always feel great. 
So our, our hope is that we get to the place that we walk in what the Word says. But the Lord knows this. You as a believer, if you are a follower of Jesus, I have days when I don't feel super spiritual. And I let things come out my mouth that are out of my emotion and not out of the Word of God. But at the end of the day, I come to the Lord. And, and, you know, when it's all said and done, I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, I am so imperfect And I have felt some things today that were not from you. And I've thought some things today that were not from you. And I've even said some things today that were not from you. But the reality of it is, your word says, you are my God. And I am your child. And your word says that I am more than a conqueror. Your word says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So the word then comes and it divides between what I think and what I feel as a human being and as a man and as a vessel of flesh. The word comes and divides and I decide at the end of the day, am I going to stand on what I feel or am I going to stand on what God says? Now, I want to point out to you prophetically, whenever she began to share, and she began to share out of her soul, you felt that shift. When she began to sing about the seraphims and the cherubims and the, and the presence of God and coming on in, all of a sudden, that anointing just swept back in right over the words that she was singing. We were right back where we started. That happens in your life day by day. But as a body of believers, I challenge you that we need to begin to let our worship in the, in the, in the first few minutes that we're together, really laying our, stu- our stuff at the feet of Jesus, our frustrations at the feet of Jesus. I'm talking to people some of you do not know. You've already been told you don't know, Mary. You don't know what's going to happen with your work. There's some of you that don't know if you're going to have a job next month. There's some of you don't know what's going to happen with your, uh, with your housing, with your apartment, with your finances, with that old clunker you're driving that's about to break down and fall apart, and you're seeing, your, you're seeing yourself on the bus. Where's Madeline? Oh, we're, she's riding the bus to school a little bit. She's in powerhouse. She's working. God bless her. And we come in with all, that's life's stuff. The entrance to, uh, to the presence of the Lord gives us this opportunity to lay all that stuff at the feet of Jesus. But if you don't come in, He can't deal with our stuff. He can't turn around and affirm you and say, I know you didn't feel like coming, but I'm so glad you're here. He's calling us into deeper places with him. We're on a journey, and there is a destination in his presence. And we're going to talk about the altar of incense there. We haven't got there yet, but I'm going to just point out some things about that right now. The altar of incense there is the last station before the entrance. We'll go into this in more detail in a few weeks. There's a line between the altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant. That's the veil that was torn so that you you and I could go in and out the presence of the Lord without restriction. That altar of incense is a place of worship. There's no animal sacrifice on the altar of incense. There's incense on the altar of incense. There's, and we're going to talk about the aroma of worship. But it is there that you deal with your soul. 
It is there that you deal with the mind and the will and the emotions. It is there that you submit the feelings and the thoughts of your soul to the word of God. And and you declare that he is your promise. And that's what we do in worship. Lord, you are our our high tower. Everything we need is in you. All our hopes, all our dreams, everything that we desire in this life. We sing that stuff. We're right there. At the altar of incense, we're offering up our praise before the Lord and He's receiving the sacrifice of praise. And it is there that we lay our stuff down on the altar. And I've I've shared this testimony with you and I'm not going to belabor the point. But I stood at that altar and I heard the Lord say, I want you to lay everything that you have on this altar. And whenever I began to do that, I went through, there was a moment of fear. Can I be honest with you? Yeah, pastor feels fear too. There was a moment of fear where I thought, if I put everything that I have on the altar, if I put this ministry on the altar, if I put my family on the altar, what if God says there's part of what I'm putting on the altar that he's not giving back to me? What if the fire of God falls there and and I don't get it back? I mean, I like my wife. Put her right up there on the altar. I love my children. I love my family. I I love my wife. Sorry, honey. Um, I adore her, adore my children. I, I love this ministry. I love everything that I do. With my, my life is wrapped up in the, the call of God and things he's purposed for us to do. And when you go before the Lord and you put everything up there, what if he messes with your life? That's, I, had that, I had to process that. Right there at that place of worship. God said to me, do you trust me more or, or do you love your stuff? Right there at that place of worship. And I had to come to the place in God that I said, I'm putting everything that I am on that altar and I trust you with all of it. David did the same thing when he was corrected of the Lord and the Lord said, here's the corrections that you can have. And he gave him a list. I can, I can take this out on the nation because you sinned, David. Let me take it out on them. I can take it. That's what God said. You go read that. The Lord said so many men in the nation can die or whatever it was. Uh, there was a curse that he would bring to the nation or, or, or your child or this or that. God gave him a list. And David, you know what David said? He was, he was right there in God. Listen. We are spirit beings. We are, you're standing in this room. And so you're thinking, oh, I'm at church. I'm in between the pews. I'm sitting on the third, fourth row, whatever it is. But when you come into the presence of God, you're right there. That's what is happening in the mind of the Father as you enter in. So it is, in in God, it's a literal thing that is happening. Because those, that kingdom of God, that eternal kingdom exists and is far more real than the chair you're sitting on. This is temporary. You you know if you read in the scripture, it's all going to burn. But you're right there in his presence. So David was right there at at that altar of incense, receiving correction and and instruction from the Lord. And the Lord said, what would you have me do? These 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 are your options, son. What do you want? You know what David said? God, you know best. You choose. You choose. He came to a place where he laid, he laid his emotions, he laid his soul down before the Father 
And he said, I trust you with my stuff. That's one of our destinations in worship. I know I'm running a little ahead of myself, but it was appropriate today for us to know that in worship we come to the place that we can lay our stuff down and we go into the presence of the Lord and in his presence we deal with we deal with God face to face and we worship him there so the holy spirit keeps i think the holy spirit keeps saying to us i want you to come on in i want you to come further i want you to come further and i want you to get into my presence i want you to get past the, the terror in the veil i want you to come on in to uh, to that most holy place and i think a lot of times that we just don't quite we know that, we want that, we're not quite sure what that means. You got a picture today of what that means. Laid, you got it prophetically. The Lord said, the veil is torn, come on in. I just want to remind you that you're welcome here. And then, uh, then when she began to pour out her soul before the Lord, that's right there at that altar of incense. She was just, oh God, I just everything is in me. Nothing, nothing in my flesh wanted to be here, but here I am and I want to be here. And then she began to sing of the cherubims and the seraphims in that most holy place that was in, in her. When, when that word came, she stepped from soul to spirit. And you felt the shift in the, in the anointing. We stepped right back in. We were right where we were. And we're in the presence of the Lord. And that is what God is saying to us. He wants us to be able to lay down our stuff. To trust Him with everything. Even the things you think He does not want to hear. Now I'm, now I'm speaking prophetically. Did you feel that? Even, even the things that you think he do, that, that God would not want to hear. I have told the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling with trusting you right here in this situation. I'm not sure I trust you. He, never, he didn't drive me away. He said, well, come on in. Come on in. Step a little closer. Lord, I'm not sure if I trust you with my brokenness. I'm not sure if I trust you with my past. I'm not, I'm not really sure if I trust you with my present. I'm not sure if I can trust you with my family. Sometimes God allows things to happen or, or, or just circumstances. In this life, you will have trouble, and it's not even God. We blame it on him. They call every time the, the uh, tornadoes blow through and 37 people die, they call it an act of God. God didn't do it. Sometimes there's, there's brokenness that comes into our life and, and we begin to put the, uh, the assignment of that and the frustration of that upon God. His shoulders are big. He can take it. He can take it. His, he's got broad shoulders. And he'll take the blame. If it'll get you a step closer, he'll stand there. Jesus took the blame. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus went to the cross with the blame. He took it. Your blame and mine and, and, and all of it. He took it. So that we could come closer. And he's still today taking the blame. Receiving our frustration. Because he said, cast your care upon me. I care for you. Come, throw down your yoke and take mine. 
I don't want to get into what that means, but you're going you're gonna to wear a yoke. The, the, the long and short of it is this. You are yoked. You're either going to wear the yoke of this culture and the yoke of unbelief and the yoke of this world, or you're going to wear the yoke of your creator. You just won't get used to that. There's a whole world out there in rebellion thinking they, they, they don't want to wear a yoke. My brother told my dad, I want God to leave me alone. I want the devil to leave me alone. And my father said, you just don't get it that way. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It's either or. You, and, and then who was, who was the songwriter? You're going to have to serve somebody. Bob, Bob Dylan. Dylan. He said it right. You're going to have to serve somebody. That's the way you were created. It's the way you were designed. So you either get up under the yoke of this world or you get up under the yoke of Jesus. So he says, come into my presence, cast your care upon me, I care for you, bring your disappointment. You can come and stand here and say, God, I'm disappointed with you. I didn't like the decision you made. He's big enough to take it. Bishop Halverson talks about when his uh, 16, was he 16, 17-year-old son Craig was killed in a car accident, and, and, and he said months later, uh, he's processing all of that, and one day he hears the Holy Spirit say, when are you going to, to deal with the fact that you're disappointed with my decision? And Roger said he pulled over the side of the road, and he began to, to weep, and he began to cry, and God says, uh-uh, I want to hear and he, be, he said, I began to yell at the top of my lungs, why did you do this to me? Why did you put me, why have you put me through this? And he said, I said, everything that was in my heart, everything that had caused my heart to be broken, everything that had made me mad at God, everything that, that had anything to do with losing Craig and, and the frustrations that we had gone through as a family, he said, I laid them all in God's lap. And he said, I didn't do it graciously. That means Bishop Halverson at one point in his life had some things come across his tongue that weren't super spiritual. <laughs> and God said, when he was all done, is there anything else you want to say to me? He said, no. I think I've said it all. He said, all right. And this is what the Lord said to him. Are you going to forgive me for disappointing you? See, we run around, we say, God will never disappoint you. Oh, yes, he will. He is sovereign. There's, there's been plenty of times God didn't do for me what I wanted him to do. That's a spoiled child. I've disappointed my children plenty. And I probably will before the sun goes down today. But I love them. And sometimes the things that I, the choices that I make and the decisions that I make that disappoint them are for their best interest. And God loves you. And we won't understand until we stand in His presence in eternity and have full understanding and full use of a spiritual mind that we'll understand why He made the decisions that He made in our life. But we submit ourselves to Him right there at that altar that's gone from the wall. Uh, That's all right. It timed out. That's all right. We submit ourselves to him there. And it is in worship that we submit ourselves to him and we say, I come and I trust you. And just like Thomas said, I don't, I don't know if I believe. He said, God, he said, Jesus, I believe. And you're standing here in front of me and I believe, but help my unbelief. 
He says to the dead guy who was raised from the dead, I'm not sure I believe that you're standing here. Help me believe. I'm looking at you. I can touch you and I can feel you. Help me believe. And Jesus said, there's some that are coming after you that are not going to get the opportunity to stand in front of me and touch me and feel me. And they are blessed because they believe. And But we come and we stand there and we have the same conversation with God. Do you believe or don't you believe? Come on in. If you believe, just step on in. And we have to deal with our stuff there. Our worship is going to higher places. Greater measure and the heavens are being opened over this house. But when we stop worshiping, when we, when we finish worshiping there and we step through and we worship there, people are going to be healed during their worship. Chains are going to be broken off during our worship. People are going to come to the altar and receive Jesus without an invitation. When we worship there. I just thank the Lord for the picture that he drew for us today in worship. And I want to challenge you that from this point on, when, when, when the Holy Spirit says, come and press on in and come on through, that that's the time in our life where we just lay everything down that concerns us and we come to some kind of place. If you have to just whisper, Lord, I, I do trust you. I do trust you. You could say, I, I need your help to trust you. And that invitation is still, come right on in. Come right on in. I, I can't. I've lost count of the times that I thought God would be mad at me and would not receive me. And the, and the old enemy's up on my shoulder saying, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. And I go back to the word and the word says, yes, you do because of Jesus. <coughs> Because of Jesus, just go right on in. I don't deserve it, but Jesus did. Go right on in. We're going to talk about that. I can't wait till we get into those, those, those areas of the, the tabernacle in our discussion. Praise God. Holy Spirit. Would you just sit, sit in the presence of the Lord for a minute, and then Jonathan, you need to come and be prepared to do whatever you're going to do. Jonathan's going to just share a couple of things. The ushers are going to come and minister to you, and then I'll have some closing remarks because you've received the word today. Father, would you do this in us? That that vision that Becky shared where there there was there's there's the potential for an open heaven over this house in greater measure than, than we have ever known. We want to come on in. Would you help us? We are unable on our own, even with the veil torn. And there's a gaping hole between the holy place and the most holy place. And even with that gaping open door, we still tiptoe around outside and we wring our hands. We carry our stuff. The priest wasn't able to go in with anything but the blood. Nothing else. He only went in with the blood of Jesus. 
So we can't carry our stuff in there. Our stuff won't fit through the veil. We have to lay it down at the altar of incense. Would you help us? Would you help us? Would you help us? As a body of believers, would you help us to come into those places in worship? And for that, we'll give you great praise, great praise. And Lord, I, I just submit, I think that, that what, what was said in, in, in personal ministry this morning to Rachel, that we need to understand as a body that our leaders, we can only go where our leaders can go. We can't go further in God than our leaders can go. And so when the enemy doesn't want you in the presence of the Lord singing the song of the Lord, he tries to stop your leader from being able to be in the presence of the Lord singing the song of the Lord. So we just agree together again that that release is is over the life of our leaders. Rachel and Julia and and, and Dominic and Chris and and, uh, everybody on that team, I if I start naming names like that, I'll miss somebody, and I don't mean to do that, DJ and, and, and all of y'all that serve up there. We pray that nothing restrict your worship, that you guys walk in such a spirit of unity, that you guys walk in such a spirit of agreement, that you guys link arms together, uh, that you let nothing stop you, that you not come in with attitude or frustration or whatever uh, that restricts you from the presence of the Lord, that when you get in and you begin to sing the songs of the Lord, that you're ahead of us laying down your stuff and going forward. We speak that over your lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody ought to shout amen to the Lord this morning. Praise the Lord. All right. The ushers were so nervous that they weren't going to get to do their job this morning. Jonathan, come and share, and then we'll let our ushers serve us.